Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Bridging the Gap in Prostate Cancer Outcomes for Black Men, Elevating Approaches to Androgen Deprivation Therapy. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Myovint Sciences and Pfizer Incorporated. Hi, my name is Dr. Samuel Washington. I'm a urologic oncologist at University of California, San Francisco. I'd like to briefly discuss why it's important that we focus on overcoming racial disparities to optimize management of African-American and Black patients with prostate cancer. Starting out, we know that prostate cancer is a major contributor to incidents and deaths related to cancer in the United States. For African-American men, it accounts for roughly 37% of the new diagnoses and 17% of the deaths. From this, we know that there is a significant increased risk of both developing and dying from prostate cancer compared to white counterparts. Now, managing prostate cancer is often multimodal, and a component of that would be androgen deprivation therapy. We know that there's a concern with ADT and cardiovascular risk and cardiovascular mortality. We need to take a moment and understand that our patients who may also have a new diagnosis of prostate cancer are also dealing with risk factors for cardiovascular disease, including hypertension, diabetes, hypercholesterolemia. We also know that particularly within the African-American population, there's also an increased risk independent of prostate cancer of increased cardiovascular death as well as heart disease deaths. So we need to understand how these increased rates of heart disease, increased rates of stroke may also impact the management and treatment strategies for African-American men newly diagnosed with prostate cancer. Part of this is understanding how to manage prostate cancer and driven largely by clinical trials. Now, the issue that we have before us is the poor representation of African-American men and underrepresented populations in general within clinical trial cohorts. This is mirrored in what we see in retrospective studies in which there's low populations of African-American men included this lack of diversity, both in the retrospective space and prospective clinical trials, makes extrapolation of results even more difficult when we're looking at populations that were not included in the initial studies. So from this, the key takeaway is that we need to understand the patient's specific risk for cardiovascular disease and increasing risk due to iatrogenic involvement, i.e. the management of prostate cancer with androgen deprivation therapy. In the next session, we will understand the differences in GNRH agonists and antagonists and highlight data and efficacy profiles in Black men with advanced cancer based on the limited data. Now, when we discuss GNRH antagonists and agonists, you'll see here in the slides that there are a few medications in each group that we commonly use. Here, you can see the difference in the mechanism of action as well as the impact on hormonal levels. The added benefit of each medication are also listed here in the need of additional medications to avoid known side effects, such as clinical flares, as well as risk profile in terms of resistance developing over time of treatment. Let's consider the efficacy of ADT within African-American men and look at the efficacy of two different types of medication groups. In the subgroup analysis of black men in the HERO study, a phase three randomized open label trial, here we can see the differences in the profiles, both in terms of sustained testosterone suppression at castrate levels, as well as early suppression within the first 15 days, as well as PSA response. 
And here we see significant differences between the two arms, both going out from early response in terms of testosterone suppression to castration levels as early as day four, extended out to 48 weeks. The issue is we're using 30 in one group and 16 in trying to extrapolate that to an entire population, which is not really a valid way to do that. But what it does show is that there are profile differences in these medications. Now, a separate study also looked at this. And here are the outcome differences between there, with the primary endpoint being the cumulative probability of castrate-level testosterone, any monthly measurement from 28 days to 364. The key here is that although this data is important, we don't have granular data on the racial breakdown of our cohort. So it's harder for us to extrapolate directly how this may apply to people from different racial groups. So in comparing the efficacy between our GNRH antagonists and agonists. There are a few studies that show differences in efficacy, both in terms of testosterone suppression early and long-term, as well as PSA response over time. The key thing to note is that there is variable granularity in the racial demographics of these study cohorts. With this in mind, we can't directly attribute all responses to every group. So in session three, We'll describe the safety profiles of GNRH antagonists and agonists used for ADT, highlighting safety data in Black men when available. Part of that tailoring of personalizing care will be understanding the safety profiles of both our agonists and our antagonists that are used for ADT. We have seen differences both in mortality as well as injection site reactions in treatment emergent adverse events. There was no significant differences in prior studies in terms of dropout rates, fatigue, or serious adverse events, although we do see conflicting data on the cardiovascular effects, with some suggestion that antagonists may have a lower risk of cardiovascular outcomes compared to agonists. Now, this is important, particularly in subpopulations such as African-American men who may be at greater risk of cardiovascular events as well as greater risk of cardiovascular risk factors such as hypertension, diabetes, and hypercholesterolemia for multiple reasons. When we look at the safety profile within the HERO study, again comparing 30 in the antagonist arm to 16 in the agonist arm, we do see slight differences in overall incidence of adverse events, but we see a larger difference with greater grade 3 adverse events happening in the agonist group. Now, we also need to focus, again, on major adverse cardiac events, or MACE, risk, when we compare antagonists and agonists. Looking at MACE risk between antagonists and agonists, we did not see a significant difference in grade three or four adverse events comparing these two cohorts. We need to discuss the potential for cardiac events. But there does not seem to be a race-based approach that needs to be undertaken, particularly because there is limited data on the demographics of the baseline cohort. When we look further at the pronounced trial, within this cohort, 5.2% or 28 men were Black or African American, as reported, we see that there was no significant increased risk of cardiovascular outcomes in terms of adjudicated MI, stroke, or all-cause death within this cohort. Now, looking at real-world data of cardiovascular events between our antagonists and our agonists, we see here that there was no clear evidence of major adverse cardiac events, even when we look at interactions between subgroups based on race. 
So key points or summary from the session is to understand the risk profile differences from these two groups of medications, our antagonists and agonists, and understand that we need to tailor this based on the patient's baseline cardiovascular risk rather than a race-based approach with broad strokes between these two groups. In the next session, we'll discuss strategies to really focus on shared decision-making and patient-centered care when it comes to the decision of starting ADT for Black men with advanced cancer. In session four, we will discuss tailoring care using patient-centered strategies to counsel Black men with advanced prostate cancer on the decision to both start ADT and how to best engage them in deciding treatment moving forward. We will discuss how to educate patients on the benefits and risk of ADT, including cardiovascular risk, as well as preferences for the method of administration when discussing the modality or the treatment options. When it comes to counseling patients, I address their concerns up front. So it means providing them with information of what therapy will look like, providing them with possible consultations with other providers to understand in detail what the daily treatments will look like, what treatment will look like over time, as well as detailed discussions of cardiovascular risk after starting ADT based on their baseline risk. I believe that there is benefit to educating patients about how ADT can impact their health long-term. There have been discussions of how ADT may impact mental health, delirium, depression, and in this context, impact potential cardiovascular mortality as well. Using visual aids or some way to operationalize this discussion is a great way for patients to understand what is going on and may provide them with materials that they could reference later. Now, there are different routes when it comes to administering these medications, and some patients may have preferences based on prior experiences, potential trauma, or just prior medical conditions. So letting them know the differences in terms of route as well as frequency will help patients decide what may be best for them, both personally in terms of preferences, but also how it may impact their overall life and other responsibilities. It is important for patients to understand what therapy will look like, for them to understand the risks and for them to understand how they would get the medications. Because again, this impacts not just their prostate cancer, but their overall health, as well as their quality of life and daily responsibilities. In general, when we're discussing adverse events or risks for medications, using common words, making sure that patients understand their risk based on their past medical history and how these medications may impact things is important. In the next session, we'll discuss strategies to optimize long-term care for Black men with advanced prostate cancer receiving ADT. These will include things such as survivorship and approaches to improve or maintain quality of life long-term. It's important to understand that prostate cancer is multifactorial in etiology. There are ongoing efforts to understand the impact of genomics and understand differences in germline mutations and somatic mutations that may be actionable and may be addressed throughout treatment in order to optimize outcomes. We must not lose sight of the fact that there are multiple levels of differences and disparities in care that impact outcomes. This means both in terms of upfront screening, timely diagnosis, appropriate guideline concordant therapy, guideline concordant imaging and staging, 
as well as recommendations for guideline concordant care in terms of systemic treatment and the implementation of treatment with curative intent or those that take into account maintaining quality of life. Now, how do I reduce barriers to care in patients with prostate cancer? Upfront, it means talking to them. So understanding in the short term, what issues might they deal with from the time we start talking about treatment and move on to actually initiating treatment? What barriers may get in the way of them being able to come to clinic for treatment or come to the hospital for treatment? What barriers may get in the way of them being able to undergo imaging studies? or continue treatment. Now, the key here is really understanding what specific barriers for the patient are in play and how we can address these upfront to put the patients on the right path for treatment. Survivorship care strategies cover multiple domains in terms of spirituality and religion, social well-being, psychological well-being, as well as physical and function. So this multi-domain approach to survivorship will require multidisciplinary action. Initiating this early, even prior to treatment starting, are ways that we can optimize things for the patients and tailor approaches to maintain their quality of life throughout treatment and beyond. Key takeaways, both from this session and overall, is that we need to understand what is going on with the patient. We need to understand that there are new medications out there that come with different profiles in terms of risk and benefits. We need to understand what barriers, what risk factors are present for that specific patient. Some of those being medical, some of those being social, socioeconomic, and financial. Understanding what these different factors are will allow us to best tailor treatment for the patient, taking into account what we know rather than a broad brush based on race alone. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.